Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. What an honor to be here with you in your homes or wherever you are listening from around the world. Um, we're going to share the Word of God, and I just feel humbled before God because of um, no one can do justice to the Word of God. The Bible says that we see through a glass darkly when we prophesy. So imagine when we're preaching, we still preach through a glass darkly compared to the, the magnificent truth of who our Father God is and what He's done for us. And we're going to talk about Jesus and His resurrection. The, the, the title of my message is His Resurrection is Your Resurrection. We celebrate on this day all around the world about the resurrection of our Lord, that He came over 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life. But on the third day after they crucified him, after he faced the most crucial, uh, the most cruel death that someone could, anyone could face, tortured, the sin of the world put upon him. After three days, he rose again. But I want to declare to you, I want to, I want to explain to you that his resurrection is our resurrection. It's actually your resurrection. But to understand the resurrection of our Lord and understand all that God has done in Christ, we, you know, we talk about this gospel. It's, it's the gospel, meaning good news, because the reason why it's good news, you can only say something's good news if there is any such thing as bad news. If there wasn't any bad news, then you can't really have a good news, because good news is because there was bad news. And so when God created Adam and Eve, we have to remember the fact that God, the Bible in the book of Genesis is very clear that God says that he created Adam and Eve in his image and in his likeness, in the nature of God. God created Adam perfect. His, his physical part was, was created from the, the dust of the earth, the earth itself. And God formed him with his magnificent hands and everything else he created uh, with his words. But when he came to mankind, it was so intimate, he used his hands and shaped him and fashioned a magnificent human being. And then the Bible says God stooped down, so to speak, and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. In other words, the very spirit that Adam received was from the very breath and spirit of God. God gave his own spirit. So he was made in his image, made in his likeness. What does that look like when Adam and Eve are walking the earth, walking in the cool of the garden and fellowship and connecting and intimately being in love with their father, God? God is such a good God and he walked the garden with Adam and they were, they were close, they were intimate. They loved each other so dearly. And the Bible is clear about the, the nature of God, that God is love, faith, joy, peace. Long-suffering. God has no fear in him whatsoever. He's just full of faith. God's got no selfishness in him. He's just full of love. And so God made us in his image. We didn't know these things. We didn't know what selfishness looked like. We didn't know depression and shame and guilt. We were created and designed by God to walk in love and faith and joy. No depression and peace. No anxiety. No stress. No worry. With all the things that the world's facing right now and the stresses and the anxieties and the fears that are in the world and the isolation that's been put on people, I want to say that God is never isolated towards you. 
We separate ourselves from each other to be safe, but God, you can never be separated from the love of God. God loved us from the beginning. His whole desire and purpose for creating human beings, this is what we've got to understand. The whole purpose and desire was so that he can have children to love. God is love. He gave us love. He put love in us so that we can walk in love. But that's, the, that's, that's good news. But the bad news is Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They basically said, no, God, we don't want to trust you. We don't want to follow you. And we don't really trust what you're saying to us. I know you said, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of it, in that day, you will surely die. Think about that for a second. God's word is true. God cannot lie. So in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the moment they took of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, and ate of it, they spiritually died. They didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. They, they came into what we call death. Death to God's presence. Death means they experienced fear, they experienced guilt and shame and condemnation. The Bible is very clear that they, they, they all of a sudden were aware of their nakedness. Before that, they weren't aware of their nakedness. Now they're hiding themselves and they hid behind a bush and they tried to cover themselves with leaves. And when the Lord God came in the cool of the garden as the day before to fellowship and connect with them and relate with them because he loves them, the Bible says very clearly that Adam and Eve were hiding. And Adam says... When I heard you walk in the cool of the garden, I, I heard you walking. I was afraid. Therefore, I hid. Before that, man didn't know fear. Now they've got fear in their hearts. And every single person born after Adam and Eve were born in this, what we call sin, what we call separation from God. I believe the Bible defines it as spiritual death. It's very important to understand that Adam and Eve and everyone that's born after Adam and Eve inherited the nature of Adam and Eve. In other words, that's the bad news. We spiritually died and everyone that's born after that inherits the same nature. You can only produce after your own kind. The DNA that was in Adam's spirit was producing spiritual death. And every single person on the planet ever since has walked in sin. That means self selfishness. It also means separation from God. It means that we've lived in sin. We didn't know God. Yet God had a magnificent plan from the beginning. God knew that was going to happen. Never took God by surprise. The Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. That means before God even created the earth, Jesus, in the mind of God, was crucified. He had a plan. He knew what was going to happen. And if I, I, I just want to read about the resurrection because I, I wanted to start off from this. And it's Galatians chapter 3. Not Galatians, what am I saying? Sorry. It's Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ... Sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In the NIV it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above when you were raised with Christ. So God is likening the resurrection of Jesus and he says, when you were raised with Christ. I want to talk about how we were raised with Christ because that's the good news. What God did in Christ was so powerful. When Adam lost the presence of God, when Adam disobeyed God, the devil defeated Adam 
But I'm telling you, what God did in Christ was far more powerful than what the devil did in Adam. He reversed the curse. He, 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 he made it right. Because Adam lost the presence of God. He lost his position with God. He had authority with God. God, the Bible says very clearly, that God gave mankind, Adam and Eve, God gave mankind the authority to rule and to reign, to take dominion over all the earth. So who's got the authority? Mankind. But in, the, in their act of disobedience, they lost that authority. They committed high treason. They lost it. And so God had a plan from the beginning. He starts to speak the word of God. He starts to prophesy what's going to happen. He starts to say that a seed of a woman would, the seed of a woman, now hang on a sec, a, a woman doesn't have a seed. But what's God saying? He's prophesying the virgin birth. The seed of a woman would, would, would crush the head of Satan, the head of the snake, the seed of a woman. So he would crush it because when Jesus was born, he came for a virgin birth. It's like Adam and Eve lost the presence of God, but God had to bring another Adam. He had to bring another man without sin so that this man without sin would pay the penalty for humanity. That's what God did. He brought another Adam through a virgin birth. You think, why a virgin birth? Why did Mary have to be a virgin? Well, I believe it's because that Jesus' blood was pure blood. He didn't get the fallen, contaminated bloodline of his physical father because Joseph is not the father of Jesus. The Bible is very clear about this. Mary was a virgin. The Holy Spirit himself, God is, God's Spirit, impregnated her, overshadowed her, and she fell pregnant. Now, I don't know how that all works, except that God's seed was put in a woman. And so Jesus didn't have a physical father. He had a spiritual father, God the Father in heaven. God brought another son, another Adam, just like the first one, so he could pay the penalty for our sin, your sin and my sin. So I believe that we don't get our blood from our mother. I believe we get our blood from our father. And uh, it's very clearly understood by the scientific world that the, the, when a woman has a baby, the blood in the baby does not mix with the blood in the mother, even though she's bearing the child. So imagine that, that the blood in the baby doesn't mix. So I believe with all my heart that when Jesus was born, he had pure blood in his veins. There's a perfect man that never sinned. Now he's walking close with the Father all the days of his life. The Bible's very clear about this. Every single person on the planet has sinned and fallen short of God. Every person. Doesn't matter how holy you might think someone is, no one is without sin except for Jesus, the Son of God. And it's very clear that he demonstrated someone that was close with God, intimate with God, one with God, and he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cleansed the leper, he opened up blind eyes, he walked on water, he took a little boy's lunch and fed about 20,000 people one time. He would ruin funerals. Because he would touch the coffin and tell them to get up and they'd wake up and they'd come back to life. Jesus showed that he had authority with God, demonstrated that he, had, he was one with God, had no sin whatsoever. And yet the very purpose of why Jesus was born, Jesus said this about himself. The purpose, the very reason why he was born was so he could die. He even said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He was talking about the crucifixion. He says, when they crucify me, they go, I'm going to suffer. And when I get crucified on the third day, this is what Jesus says, I will raise 
to life. Now, what was he doing? Why would God send his son to live a perfect life, come through a virgin birth, but then live a perfect life without sin so that he could pay the penalty for us? God's wisdom was in this whole purpose, whole, whole plan. God's wisdom thought it all out that he had to bring another person, another Adam. Adam lost it. But what God did in Christ at the cross was far more powerful than what the devil did in Adam. See, we had Old Testament sacrifices and we had the lambs and, and all that was to cover the sins of Israel. They would have to get a spotless lamb without spot, wrinkle, could, couldn't, couldn't have any disease, couldn't have any ailments and, and had to be healthy lamb. And then they would slay the lamb, take the blood and the priest, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to cover the sins of Israel. And that was a picture, a type of the Lamb of God, Jesus being the Lamb of God. John the baptizer said, behold, when he saw Jesus for the first time, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was sinless without sin. And John is declaring that's the Lamb of God. He understood the Old Testament covenant. He understood the plans of God. And he goes, now this is the foreshadowing. This is the, what the Old Testament was talking about. That's the shadow. Jesus is the actual substance. He is the lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. And I'm telling you something. I'm telling you good news now. When Jesus does something, when God does something, he does it completely perfect. The sacrifice was once and for all. God doesn't have to sacrifice again and again every year because he's done it once and for all and he's cleansed our conscience from dead works. That's in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and around chapter 10. Very, very clear teaching from the Word of God that God put our sin upon Christ. Now let me explain a little bit deeper why He did that. Because I believe every single human being, no matter who you are, we've all sinned before God. And whether we realize it or not, you might go, I don't believe in God. That's okay. God believes in you. Whether you realize it or not, we're going to be answerable before God for our sin. We're going to stand before a holy, pure God that's full of love and full of holiness. He's full of mercy and full of judgment. He's full of uh, kindness, yes, but He's also righteous. He upholds both of them at the same time. God's holy and just and He's going to judge the earth. He will judge humanity. The Bible teaches us. Jesus actually said that, Every idle word, every thought that you think, and every word that you speak, you'll stand before God and give account of it. The Bible in the New Testament talks about we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of what we've done in our body. So we will stand before God. If you're a believer, you'll stand before Jesus. And He's going to judge us for what we've done, but He's going to give us rewards in heaven. That's for a believer. But for an unbeliever, we, go, we don't go stand before Christ because He's not our mediator. If we're an unbeliever, we stand at the great white throne judgment. The book of Revelations says that. The great white throne judgment, Revelations 20. And anyone's names that are not written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says if they weren't found in the Lamb's book of life, Jesus' is Lamb, the Lamb of God, if you weren't, your name's not written in it, in heaven there's a register. You have to register to make it into heaven. You register your name, how? By putting your faith in this lamb, in, the, in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. So, so if your names aren't there, 
The Bible says we'll be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. There is a judgment to come. We will stand before God. And if you don't have a mediator, if I don't have a mediator, I'll stand before God by myself. But if you accept Christ, then Jesus becomes your mediator. He's like your high priest. He stands in the presence of God on your behalf. See, what Jesus did on the cross, he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you and I. If Jesus was sinless, which he was, he didn't have to die on the cross. Because the Bible is very clear about the wages of sin is death. The reason why we die is because of our sin. If you didn't sin ever, you wouldn't grow old and die. According to the Word of God, I believe that's true. That's why we can't explain old age. We can't explain why, do we, why don't we regenerate. We were designed to regenerate. We were designed every seven years, every cell is renewed, but we don't know why we're getting old. I believe it's because of the wages of sin is death. But Jesus had no sin, so he wasn't getting older, and he didn't deserve to die. The devil, let's talk about Satan himself, the, the fallen angel, Lucifer, had no legal right to put death on a man, Jesus, who had never sinned. He never sinned, so the, Satan can't put death on a man who never sinned. But again, this is God's plan. Jesus chose to lay down his life. Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life, this is in the Bible, and I have the authority to take up my life again. So we know through his words that Jesus chose to lay down his life. And even if you read the accounts of his life in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these guys walked with him and they wrote about his life. It was very clear that he wanted to go on the cross. He made sure when they were, when they were judging him and they were accusing him of all sorts of breaking the law, he would keep silent like a lamb. He wouldn't speak because if he spoke, truth would come out and he would set himself free. He would... He would make himself clear because if he speaks truth, he gets set free from this conviction that they were trying to lie about him. So whenever he had an opportunity to speak to make sure he gets indicted with this crime, he would say, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am going to come back with the clouds of glory from heaven. In other words, he would make, he would make sure he goes, goes to the cross. And you see, we're talking about Adam and Eve. We're talking about the fall of man. We're talking about every person born after sin. After Adam and Eve was born in sin. The Bible says this very clearly, that we were born in sin and we were shapen in wickedness. We, be, we became more and more wicked in our lifestyle. Born in sin, that means we're spiritually dead. And so I want to explain to you what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus, let me say this first. John chapter 3, Jesus said this to Nicodemus. He's a high priest. He was a, a really powerful priest who wanted to know about the truth. And he said to Jesus... Jesus, we know that you're a man of God. We know that you do miracles and, and no one can do the things that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus says, marvel not. He goes, I say to you that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God and to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And uh, Nicodemus says, what? How can a man be born when he's old? Imagine someone tells you when you're an adult, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, can you go back into your mother's womb? And be born again. And, and Jesus, no, 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 no. You're not getting it. That which is born of flesh, physical, is physical. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. So what part of your makeup was he talking about? He's talking about your spirit man that's spiritually dead. Remember, everyone that's born in sin after Adam was born in this spiritual death. The spirit man that's spiritually dead has to be reborn by the spirit of God. 
The spirit that's dead to God has to be reborn. Now it's, this, is in, this is in agreement to the whole Bible. The whole New Testament talks about you who were dead in your sins. God made you alive with Christ. So Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, you must be born again. Don't marvel at this, Jesus says. Don't freak out that a person must be born again or else you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we, we stay in our sins. We're spiritually dead. No matter what you do in your spiritually dead state, you can't justify yourself. What we think, this is what we do as human beings, and this is why we've created so many different thousands of different religions around the world. We think we have to do good things. So we have to get back to God by earning it, by being good enough. And if I'm good enough, well, how good is good, first of all? If I'm good enough, I can earn God's forgiveness. Not if you're spiritually dead. If you're spiritually dead, everything you do is dead works. That's why the Bible calls it dead works. And when we stand before a holy God, the only way we get to heaven is by having Jesus, accepting Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and putting our faith in Christ. We throw ourselves at His mercy and we repent of our sins. We say, God, I believe what you did for me. This is the demonstration of God's love. This is God's mercy when God sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins. He, that's good news. Man, if, if that doesn't sound like good news, that God's saying, you can't do anything to deserve this. You can't be good enough. You can't work your way into heaven. How good do you have to be? If you're trying to be good enough in your own strength, you might as well say to God that we couldn't do this. You might as well say to God, how much money do, do I pay to get to heaven? I mean, you, you think that's ludicrous. That's crazy. That's ridiculous to think you can pay for your soul with money. Well, why do we think we can pay for our souls? By being good enough when we're still spiritually dead. God says, you can't get to me. All the religions of the world are doing something to get to God in their own strength, own effort. But you can't put yourself up from the socks. You just can't do it. All the religions, one way or another, telling you, this is what you have to do. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't touch that, don't say this. All rules and regulations to get to God. But God, Christianity, God came down and did it for you. God became a man through that virgin birth. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says God was in Christ. Who was in Christ? God. Reconciling. That means bringing back the world to Himself. How is He doing it? It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not imputing. That's like saying not charging our sins against the world's account. So God's bringing you back to Himself by not charging your sins against you. Well, if He didn't charge our sins against us, who's... Account that he charged them to. He charged them to Jesus' account. He brought another Adam, which was the sacrificial lamb, to pay the penalty to consume a holy God's judgment and to, to fulfill his righteousness, God's righteousness. Jesus lived a perfect life as if he was the sinner. He dies on the cross as if he committed the sin. But Jesus never committed sin. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Him who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, became sin. That we, that's you and I, might become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the great exchange. This is what happened at the cross. Him who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, he lived perfect life, but then he dies on the cross as if he's the sinner. Did he commit sin when he died on the cross and become sin? No, he just became sin. He didn't commit sin. So do you commit righteousness? No, you become righteousness of God through faith in Christ. 
It's like a great exchange happened. Jesus has a pure white robe of righteousness and holy, without spot, without wrinkle. I mean, not, 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 even, a, not even a dust on his clothing. Pure white. We've got this filthy, dirty, ugly, smelly, rotten, the most ugliest rag you can think clothed all over us. Well, Jesus says, when he dies on the cross, he took this one off us. On the cross, he puts, off, puts on our filthy, dirty, ugly, messy, most disgusting, filthy rag you can imagine. He puts it on on the cross. And by faith, when we put our faith in Christ, we put on his white robe here. We put on this pure white robe of righteousness because he took it for us. That's good news. God said, you don't have to do anything. Just believe. It's in the believing that changes you from the inside out. This is the wisdom of God. No human being could have thought this up. God demonstrated his love by sending his, love, his, his, his son on the cross for you. He demonstrated his love. By showing you, I love you. I value you. You are special. You are important to me. You're so special that if you, no one else left on the planet to die for, if it was just you left on this planet, think about it for a second. No one, no one else around, just you. God would have sent his son, born of a virgin, lived 33 years of life, perfect without sin, and then die on the cross just to give you a chance to choose him. Because that's the key. You have to choose him. Do you know on the cross, the Bible says Jesus became sin. When he was in the garden, the Bible says Jesus said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even at the point of death. This is the night before he was going to be betrayed, or the night that he was betrayed. And then in a few days, he's going to be crucified. And he, is, um, he knows he's going to go to the cross. And he can sense the weight of the reality of becoming the sin of the world. He says, my soul is feeling the reality of it to the point of death. He's praying before the Father and his sweat bursts and his, 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 the, the calabrities of the blood and all that burst and, and sweat and blood poured down his forehead. He wept and cried and he cried out to his Father and God strengthened him. He says, Lord, if there's another way to save humanity, but not my will. Let your will be done. See, Jesus understood the depth of what was going to happen. I don't believe Jesus was afraid of the physical death, personally. I believe Jesus was understanding the depth of the spiritual separation with God. Jesus, you understand, Jesus was spirit, soul, and body. He, he was fully man. And the Bible is very clear that a man is made of a spirit, soul, and body. Jesus, on that cross, has got spirit, soul, and body. So when he dies physically, I believe his spirit man had to die first. I believe his spirit man had to experience spiritual death because that's what sin is. If sin is spiritual death, which it is, most people can agree with that. It's separation from God. And, and most people can agree sin is spiritual. Then how can a physical death on, on the cross by itself pay for the price? I believe it's the, the spirit of Jesus died first for his physical body to have breathed his last. Imagine that. Jesus, now look at this. Jesus, in a sense, I think in the reality, yes, we know that Jesus was born in, in the nature of God. When he was born for a virgin birth, he knew the nature of God. He, only, he was in the likeness and image of God, the nature of God, just like Adam was at the beginning. But on that cross, when he becomes sins, he gets born again from one nature, the nature of God, into sin. He gets born again, birthed into another realm, which is 
spiritual death. And then when God the Father raises Jesus up from the dead, He raises His Spirit up first, resurrects Him. He gets born again from death back to life. And then He goes into His physical body. When Jesus was on the cross and He says, It is finished. I believe He's basically saying, I can't mess it up now. I've done it. I lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and, and, and this is it. When he breathes his last, it's over. Satan has no chance to get him then. That's why he says, Father God, into thy hand I commit my spirit. I trust you to resurrect me. It is finished. But redemption wasn't finished when he gave up, the, when he gave up his last breath. And that's in the Bible too. In Hebrews chapter 9, eight, sorry, Hebrews chapter 8, verse, chapter 8. 9 and 10. Chapters 8, 9 and 10 very clearly teach that not with the blood of bulls and goats, not the Old Testament sacrifices, but with his own blood, he went into the very holy of holies in the heaven itself. Not the tabernacle made with hands, but the tabernacle made without hands. It's just so clear that Jesus, after, his, after he goes back into his body and he gets resurrected, he takes his blood and goes to heaven and pours it out at the mercy seat in heaven, the real one in heaven, the holy of holies in heaven. When Jesus died on the cross, we know that the, we know that the veil was torn from top to bottom. That's a curtain that separated the, the outer court to the holy of holies in the Old Testament. That was a picture and a symbolic picture and reality that now the way into the throne room is available. So if Jesus on the cross becomes sin... And then when God resurrects him, he's born from the nature of God into sin. And from sin, he gets resurrected. Now he's born back into life. That's why I believe God, Jesus taught that a man must be born again. Because we, we have to have that exchange. We are spiritually dead without God. The Bible's clear about this, that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We're dead to our sin and our trespasses. But God made us alive in Christ. See, what Jesus did on the cross, he didn't do it for himself. It was a pitch. It's, it's actually identification. Jesus Christ identified himself with mankind. He put on a body because he's representing mankind. He put on a body because he represented Adam. If the devil defeated Adam, God has to bring another man to defeat the devil. God didn't defeat the devil as God, even though Jesus was God. He emptied himself of the privilege of being God. He becomes a man, and now he takes on the devil as a man on your behalf. So when Jesus gets resurrected, he's basically saying, when you put your faith in what I did for you on the cross, I resurrect your dead spirit. That's in the Bible. I mean, the Bible says that when we were buried with Jesus, this is all scripture, Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 1, there's so many scriptures that teach us that we, we, if we suffer with Him, we shall also die with Him. If we suffer with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we are crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Paul taught this identification throughout his letters. I was crucified with Christ. When was I crucified with Christ? When were you crucified with Christ? Well, according to God and according to Paul's teaching... We were crucified with Christ when we gave our life to Him. It also says that we are buried with Him in water baptism. Buried with Christ. Buried with Him. Don't forget the with Him. We're buried with Him. 
But then it also says we are made alive with him in Ephesians. We were dead in our sins, but he made us alive with him. And it also says that we are raised with him. And Ephesians 2 says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And it goes on to say that we're glorified with him. So what did, what did Jesus do? He raised mankind back to his original position. His original position at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is seated down at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible teaches this, that we're seated with Christ. At the right hand of the Father. With Him. Imagine that. God has raised you up. When you put your faith in Christ, He raises you up and places you back to where we once was, where we lost the very presence and nature of God. With Christ. But let me say this. This is the bad news. If you reject Jesus, you stand alone. If you reject Jesus, you will send yourself to hell because you choose to go to hell. You say, I don't believe in your mercy. I don't believe in your love. I don't believe you, you sent your son. Jesus says, if I go away, the comforter will come. He says, it's more beneficial that I go away. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's better that I die on the cross be resurrected and go back to the Father so then I can send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to convict the world of sin. And guess what that sin that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of? The sin of not believing in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. The only sin that will send you to hell is when you don't put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So that's our only way of salvation. If you say no and you say, I don't want to accept Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus, then you are standing before God fully on your own and you will spend eternity in hell because you don't have a mediator. All a Christian is, is put their faith in Jesus and that God Himself, in His mercy and His grace, forgives us of all our sins. He washes us clean. He looks at us and says, you're forgiven because you put your faith in Christ. That's why a man, a man must be born again. You must and I must put my faith in Christ. And no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you've done, no matter what I've done, God says, I'll forgive you of all of your sins if you put your faith in Christ. This is the stumbling block. The stumbling block is the simplicity of faith. Because it's when you put your faith in Christ, you give up your right to live. You've you got to repent. The word repent means to change your mind, change your thinking, change your heart. It, it, I was going this way, but I turn around now. And I say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I do believe that, God, you're so merciful and so good and so loving that you sent your son to pay the penalty for my sin. It, it can only change you from the inside out. That's what it will do. It'll, once you accept the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of all your sins, you get changed. And, and your spirit that's dead gets to be resurrected. I believe the Holy Spirit comes in your dead spirit, resurrects it because it takes the gospel of the kingdom. The, the gospel is the seed. It goes into the ground of your heart and resurrects it with the water of the Holy Spirit. And we made alive with God. You think, that's, I know that. Yeah, I know that we're alive. Think about it. Alive with God. Raised with God. Where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, if He's the head and we're the body, the body is seated where the head is. You think, oh, that teaching, I don't know, that's just too much for me. Well, the Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, He called us brother. Go tell out my brothers. I'll see Him in Galilee. He didn't say disciples. He called us brothers. 
because he did it for us. He did it as us. So I want to encourage you right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, have you never understood that God in his mercy, I've done my best to share this truth. I know we're all at different levels of understanding of this. Simply believe that God loved you enough to die on the cross. Simply believe that God believed in you, in in your value as a son and the daughter of God, that He sent His Son to take the full judgment, the full penalty. The very blood of Jesus is at the altar in heaven, crying out mercy, crying out forgiveness. Would you accept Him? Would you accept Him right now? Pray with me. Pray with me this prayer. If you can't get on your knees, get on your knees. Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for sending him on the cross. I thank you that he took my penalty, took my judgment, consumed my sin in himself. And Father, you offer me forgiveness. I open up my heart. I turn away from my sin. I say no to my selfish living. I give up my right to live my life and I give you my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Stand before me. Stand before God for me, Lord. Wash me clean. And I come into a love relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for it. I bless you for it. In Jesus' name, you're wonderful. You're glorious. Thank you for forgiving people. Just receive that forgiveness right now. Wherever you are and you, Whatever, wherever you are right now, just accept His love, accept His forgiveness. Receive His healing in your heart. Receive His healing in your body. He loves you dearly. He did it all for you. Take it personal. He did it all for you. He's in love. GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.